as they're continuing to receive the offering, I'm going to go ahead and get into the, this. Uh, uh, you know, I hope that didn't come across wrong when I was saying maybe I missed the mark and, and not giving Brother Holden the whole time. Uh, I did feel that the Lord is wanting us to get through uh, this message, and uh, there is going to be a part four, I can tell you that. Uh, today is part three uh, to the Better Together series, Reaching Out Together. Uh, but this is the very much what we're talking about. This whole thing with community has to start in our church before we can ever really get ourselves to the point we will sacrificially give, sacrificially pray, and, and support missionaries, support others, um, ourselves step out. We've got to get deep in deeper relationship together in the church as well as building relationships outside the church. So we've been in this conversation about better together. And from a scriptural standpoint, God designed us all all of us, whether it's natural to us or not, he designed us to be in relationship. And last week we spent our time discussing that we are wired for relationships. No matter if you want to think you're a loner or you uh, have tendencies to be a loner, God did not intend you to be that way. God intended you to be in deep relationships. And Paul said to the Philippians, you are standing together side by side with, with one strong purpose, to tell the good news. In the very next verse, the same chapter says this. Paul says, you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. So partners, we took that word and used it as an acronym to describe seven ways you and I together uh, can, can go together in spreading the good news. But seven ways that happens. And so if you'll remember, we started with P, which is pray together. That in developing those relationships, it, it, it is forged also through prayer together, praying for each other's needs, praying for the lost together. And then A, we, we looked at for a appeal to common interests. That even Paul says that he is all t- things to all men. That he does that. He finds common interest with men uh, to the Jews, Jew, to the, to the Greek, a Greek, to the Gentiles, a Gentile. But the, in other t- words, to reach them. But he also says that he receives a blessing from that as well because of them coming to Christ. And we've talked about the fact that one thing that brings revival is when the souls begin to be saved. If you grab a hold of that, it revives and reminds you of what Christ did for you and thus motivates us to continue to share and evangelize. And then R, reach out in love. And why? Why reach out in love? I mean, here we are sitting in today. I'm going to tell you and challenge you. Uh, that there's a bunch of the bug going around. There's people traveling all. Uh, when, when you're in a service where you notice people are not here, uh, today we've got people traveling all. And I'm thankful for every person that comes. But if you see somebody not here, reach out to them. This is exactly where you take this and apply it. You know, I didn't mention this first service, but both services are a little bit light. That means we've got folks that may be sick or maybe they're traveling. But for them to hear from you and know, hey, we missed you this morning. There's sometimes you can't even walk through that, that foyer on a Sunday morning. And so that tells me we've got folks that there may be a need. So reach out. But we reach out and love why? We do it for three reasons. We reach out first because we have the greatest news in the world uh, to share. Uh, I mentioned if we were, if I had the answer to cancer, if I had the cure for cancer, I'd be shouting it from the rooftops. What kind of a maniacal evil mind would have the cure for cancer and not share it with with the devastation that that is is doing uh, uh, to family members, to those we love and those even we don't know? Um, And then we reach out in love because we have the greatest news. We also, we also, the second reason is we reach out um, because I have a heart of gratitude. This is the month of Thanksgiving. You know, if Christ saved you, if you are saved from your sin and you know what that felt like to be relieved of that burden of sin, you may still mess up and we're not sinless, only Christ was, but to be relieved and know that I am saved and his blood has covered me, why would you not want to share that? The gratitude of that should motivate us uh, to share. Also, um, the third reason is the Bible said God is love. 
And in that very reason that he is love, uh, the fact that God comes into your life, uh, you, you should start loving people. And if you say you're a Christ follower, yet you don't love people, if you say, I just have a hard time loving people, then I question, have you really encountered Christ? Because if you've really encountered Christ, that love should be enough to motivate you to want to share that good news. And then the fourth way that you can partner together for people to know how great God is, how great his love is, is to tell your story. Do what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, which says you are God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others the night and day difference he made for you. Is it night and day? I mean, listen, I grew up in a, in a good um, ministry home. And I had every tool, every bit of support, every bit of prayer for me to never stray from the Lord. And yet I did. But I can tell you that God used that time while he didn't want me to stray. When I did, the things I encountered when I came out of that, I understood there's a night and day difference. I remember feeling when the spirit of God left me. So I'm like, oh, that doesn't happen if you've if you've been saved. I can tell you, believe it or not, I could I could almost remember the day. I remember about the time. That I felt the Spirit of God had left me. And things began to fall apart. And it just got, it got crazy in my life for a time. And so, you know, we tell our story. It's the most effective way to let other people know about the awesome work the grace of God has done in your life. Right. Just tell your story. You know, the Bible is filled with stories of people who are serving God. And God uh, inspired men to write about those stories that are the, the lifelong, eternal motivation for us to realize we're like them. We have struggles. We have trials. But when we, uh, when we serve the Lord, we come out victorious. And so even though you will never be, there won't be a book of kin, right? We're not going to do uh, uh, like other um, cults do where we start our own uh, uh, book that is, is a conjunction to the Bible. There's not a book of Danny or a book of CJ. But in, in the spiritual realm, your story is being written every day. And it is just as impactful to those who have not heard or those that don't know or those that are struggling. There may be people at your workplace or that your family who are dealing with broken relationships, a divorce or a death or something, and you have the answer because of the gospel to that hurt and that pain. Not, not you in and of yourself, but what God did in you. And so we need to tell our story. Stories make a difference. And the great thing about telling your story is you're an expert in your story. Right. I just recently was helping a, uh, uh, one of our church members with developing a resume and, and with uh, interviewing techniques for getting a job. And it's something I was passionate about because I was terrible, about it, terrible at it at Walmart and then uh, had mentors that helped me. And then the last year there, I conducted over 110 interviews interviewing people looking for jobs. And so I saw the good, bad, and ugly of, of why maybe people don't get jobs. Sometimes it's they, they just don't believe that they have talents or gifts or things that can apply to what they're applying for. You know, um, I gave the example in first service of the pastor's wife, her husband, I think 40 years in the ministry, and he passes away with a heart attack. And now she's forced because financially she needs to find work, so go into the workplace. She had never been. And every question we asked her, it, it was started out with, uh, I don't know, I've never worked in office. And the things we were asking her about, like conflict resolution. Tell me a time when you were in a team environment where you were the only one that believed one thing and you knew it was right, but everybody else was against that. How did you stand and how did you deal with that? How did you resolve that conflict? And she's like, I'd never been in the workplace. And I was with another spirit-filled manager, and I looked at her and I said, can we stop the interview? And, and I think she knew what I, where I was going. I said, listen, my mom's a pastor's wife. Uh, my mom was my dad's secretary. I get where you're coming from. But you don't understand. I could answer these questions better for you. 
because I don't even know you or know your husband, but the fact that you were a pastor's wife 40 years, I guarantee you I could answer these for you. And so I gave her an example. I said, just take all those situations. When you had difficult people in the church, you had difficult situations, take those and think about them in these answers. And she nailed the rest of it. I hired her and she's still there today. So what I'm saying is when we tell our story, sometimes we just lack the confidence in telling people what God has done with us. Like, like we got, it's like it's a story about getting rabies or something, you know? Like we're scared to tell them that they might catch something bad. But the truth of the matter is, is we never know how that's going to impact them. They may go back at night. They may have kind of mocked you a little bit or act like no big deal. And then they can't sleep all night because the Holy Spirit is turning and, and dealing with them. You may not be an expert in theology. You may not be an expert in a lot of things. But you are the world's most prominent expert on your story, on your testimony. What God has done in your life. And I found over the years, people ask, what's your story? And they want to know. People want to know your story. But people don't want to know what, uh, what is your unabridged story. In other words, they want to know your story like the 15-minute version. Not start, you know, at age two, but I came to know the Lord at age 25. You know, um, sometimes we ought to understand that God has given us the wisdom to make sure that we are sharing uh, the, the part of what God's done in our life, not giving glory to what Satan did, I grew up hearing testimonies where it's 45 minutes of all the awful details of how you lived awful for, for the devil and then all of a sudden the Lord saved you and in the last two minutes of God saved me. But, but the truth and the power of it is what he's done in your life. Do the 45 minutes of what God's done in your life and two minutes on, on what happened before that. So we need to understand they want the short story sometimes. So we owe it to them to take a few minutes to think through the story of God's grace in our life so that when the opportunity arises, and it will, remember we said the opportunities are there. When you pray for divine opportunity, God, lead me someone. Andrew, when you pray, God, lead me someone to tell them about Christ. The opportunity was there all along. It's just that prayer has now given God uh, the go-ahead saying, I am willing for you to use me. Now open my eyes to what's going on around me. We pass by people all the time. The opportunities are there, uh, people who need to hear that story, but sometimes we, we don't see the importance or the significance of what's going on around us. We have, in a, we have to, in a very authentic way, uh, through thinking through our story and through preparing, uh, with the grace of God, we can share it in a conversation, in a concise way, to tell our story. Now, that's not to say that in a moment's notice, Holy Spirit is going to light you up and, and you don't need any preparation. I've had messages that way. I remember, even though the church one time bought me this fancy iPad because I came up here with a spiral or a three-ring binder with, like, I had to do 16 fonts, so I had 30 pages of notes, you know. Um, they bought this nice, there's been times the Holy Spirit lit me up, I changed direction, I came up with a sticky note with about three or four words on it. The Holy Spirit can prepare you, but the, the whole idea here is that let the Holy Spirit guide you. Some of us do need to prepare for how we're bringing our story to others because we get lost in the details that, that are giving glory elsewhere other than to God. So what does a witness do? The thing is, he's, the, the Lord didn't ask me to be his attorney to argue his case. And the Lord didn't ask me to be the judge to judge other people. He just asked me to be a witness. That was an excellent uh, story, a good continuation. I was At first when you said you had different stories, I was like, man, the first one was good. And we could have handed out some Academy Awards in first service and second service too. We've got some actors in here we didn't realize we had. So, but, but that was an excellent story, uh, example that, about the witnesses because it is a powerful thing when, when there are witnesses uh, and especially a whole crowd of them. But a witness says, uh, this is what I've seen. It's what I've heard. 
A witness just knows the story of how they've experienced God in their lives. And I think a lot of us, in many ways, we, we have been moved by the grace of God in our life. And the questions people ask are, how do I get in conversation about telling my story, about being a witness without seeming fake or phony? Just listen. Be a good listener. It's one of the challenge areas of my life. I am a talker. I, you don't even have to give me a subject. I can run all day long, every day, 24 hours, 7. If I, can, if I can not sleep, I could talk. That gets you in trouble sometimes, too, because being a listener is just important. My time in Walmart, and even though uh, I've said this many times, uh, Walmart has some great leadership principles, but I still believe they're God principles that they just borrowed and, and sometimes taking God out of it. But Sam Walton listened to his associates. You know, he would fly by surprise into an area and go in and talk to a checker that didn't have any idea that's the owner of the company. He did that. Why? Because that was the best way. Get the person who actually witnessed what they're doing and how it played out and not be so far removed. So when you're listening to conversations, you'll hear people in the conversation express needs. How will you know how to pray and minister to that person if you don't first hear their heart and know what's going on in their life and, and be a good listener? And there will be opportunity for you to identify that because of a lot of times people that are in your life are not there by mistake. God has purposely, you know, those things that you knew when you ran from God, he's still using them to his advantage. So there's things you've gone through in your life that you have been placed around people strategically because when that opportunity presents itself, when you're humble enough to say, God, use me, then he opens that door. You'll be able to connect, have things in common that, that hey, I've been through that. I've dealt with that, and I've seen the power of God take me through it and be victorious over it. Your hurts and your pains of the past where God has worked in your life will identify with the hurts and the pains in their life. So listen, when you hear them struggling with something God has helped you in, express the grace of God that has walked you through it. Yes, there was pain and there was hurts. Yes, I want to give up, give up, but I never felt alone. Express those things. And sometimes, let's just say this, one of the most powerful ways to have a conversation about your story is an apology. I remember when I came back to the Lord after running from Him, I hit this point where I had this great conviction to go back and, and apologize to people who I went to bars with, or I went here, or I went there. You know, I didn't do anything to them in the world since wrong. I was their buddy. I was out hanging out with them. Um, There's times I was buying everybody's drinks, you know, when the Lord... Uh, the Lord, had, I felt like his presence left. Well, the enemy let me be successful a little bit so that I, I got a taste of that and I wanted to, you know, in the world's eyes, be successful. But I felt this great conviction to go back. And so I was looking at people's numbers I'd lost track with for a while and saying, listen, I need to apologize to you. So I'm like, for what? Because I knew some truth that could have tro uh, changed your life. And I don't know what's going on with you now, but I knew something. I went out and I, I can uh, contribute to you going further away from that truth when I could have told you the truth. And some of them were receptive, and, and I can't say anybody except the Lord, but like, well, thank you, you know, or, you know, I grew up in church, and I, that means a lot. Some were like, well, okay. But I needed it as much as they needed it. The Lord was telling me that sometimes an effective thing is apology. Now, I didn't say this in the first service, but I was thinking this, Brother Holm was, was talking. And sometimes, maybe in the church, we have with a certain people group or a different belief system, we've been so harsh or so unloving We've, we've almost burned a bridge there. Sometimes an apology for the things we know we shouldn't have done will be just as much of a witness as anything. My Lord, my Savior, would not have wanted me to react that way. And so I have to tell you, whether you believe he's alive or well or not, his Holy Spirit has convicted my heart to come to you and apologize. Will you forgive me? 
How powerful would that be? So we have to understand that because the minute people start finding out things about us um, that are difficult, you know, it's, it's a thing where I don't always spread everything about myself to everyone. There's times the Holy Spirit tells me it's safe in this moment. This person that will touch them to tell them some details about my life that they would never guess uh, where God came in and reached in and, and truly impacted me. But the, tr- the whole thing is that we need to be telling our story. It's the only way we're going to be able to reach others. It, it's not just outside the four walls. Sometimes that's the bridge within the body that we need. We're sitting across the aisle with somebody that, and we've been at New Song for three, four months or whatever, and we see this person's been there and kind of understand they've been here for years, and we're like, okay, well, they're all solid. Everything's good with them. They just wouldn't understand my situation. But when we're deepening those relationships and when we're becoming a community, you know, all of a sudden you find out this person that sat across the aisle from me has walked the same path as I have. And look what God's done in their life, and I see how they've got the joy of the Lord on them and how they're, they're so loving, and they were one of the people that welcomed me, and, and yet they've gone through the same struggles. And so I have hope that even though I still feel like a wretch sometimes, that, that God has got me on a path to grow and, and be discipled and, and be much like these others, that God's already done this in their life. We have to get this. You know, look, it can't be about just coming to church, sitting a few songs, singing good. I, I stretched my vocal cords for the Lord. You know, I heard a little bit of the word. Now I'm done with my spiritual, my spiritual food for the week, and I'm going to go home and just do life and do it again next Sunday. It has to be more than that. It has to be more than that. If we can't get this right in the body, how will we ever partner with someone like Brother Hodum to reach outside the body? What are we going to do with them? If all of a sudden, well, you know, God answers these prayers and he brought, what if he brought masses of Muslims into New Song who are seeking truth and seeking, uh, seeking the Lord? What are we going to do with them when we get here if we're not a community, we're just a crowd? If they start growing and slip, or stop growing and start slipping and all of a sudden, uh, we lose sight of them. There's some churches where we could have people be gone for four months and nobody knows they ever left because we're just a crowd. We've got to be a community. What we very first started this whole thing on community about is when the, when the crowd becomes a church. Amen? The New Testament church. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done through uh, these messages through Brother Hodum today. Lord, I pray uh, for an outpouring of your spirit, Lord, on these people, on this community. God, that you would just pour out your flesh like we've been seeing, uh, pour out on the, this flesh, Lord, your spirit, like we've been seeing with the kids and the altars, like we've been seeing in the adults, Lord, through worship and through uh, coming together. Lord, I thank you for all the wonderful things you've been doing in this congregation. And Lord, I always pray for an increase. Lord, just like you are always wanting more for us, Lord, we want more and more of you. And Lord, we want to be the true New Testament church, a community that has deep, deep relationships with each other. That Lord, when people come into this place seeking truth, Lord, when we reach out beyond the walls to those that are seeking truth, when we get out of the walls and we're, we're reaching out to them, that Lord, they see the authenticity of your love through us. They see the power of the gospel alive in us. And Lord, I pray that you continue to direct not just the leadership of this church, but every single person that comes in and calls them a part of New Song, and calls them a Christ follower, that, Lord, when they, when they reach out, Lord, that they, they truly grasp the sense of community as it is in the New Testament, Lord. With every head bowed and eye closed, I don't want to close the service without giving an opportunity for someone to maybe for the first time invite the Lord Jesus to be Lord of their life, or maybe there's been some separation in that relationship, and you need to get things right with the Lord. You need to 
renew that relationship with Christ. If you're here this morning and that's you, you need, you need Christ to be Lord of your life. I want you to raise your hand shortly and I want to pray for you. Amen. I pray we, we've all made that decision. And believers, while our heads are still bowed and eyes closed, I want to take a few minutes for us just to settle uh, both the message that we've had to our community and, and what Brother Hodom shared with us. Let the Lord just soak that into our hearts now so that when we leave this place, the message becomes action, not just words, but we put it to action. Just take a few moments with the Lord. I don't want to stop anybody from continuing to pray. As I've said before, anytime you can get in this building, these altars are open, service time or otherwise. So I want to be sensitive to the fact that someone may want to spend time in the altars. Uh, if that's you, just move forward at any time. But for those of you who feel released that the Lord is going to continue this on, this conversation on your heart this week, later this evening, uh, I'm going to officially dismiss.